Welcome, and thank you for joining us on our latest installment of Women at Ropes Talk, a podcast series brought to you by the Women's Forum at Ropes and Gray. In this podcast, we spotlight extraordinary women who have had successful careers and interesting lives and are also making a positive impact in their workplaces and in their communities. We feature women attorneys at Ropes and Gray in conversation with prominent women clients, industry leaders, entrepreneurs, and others about their careers and what's led to their successes, the challenges they faced, and the hard-earned wisdom they've acquired. I'm Megan Baca, a partner at Ropes and Gray with a practice focusing on intellectual property and technology transactions. And I'm also co-head of the firm's Digital Health Initiative. I'm based in Silicon Valley. On this episode, I'm joined by my West Coast colleague, Amy Jane Longo, who's based in Los Angeles. Hi, Amy. So to get things started today, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to our listeners and tell us a little bit about your practice. Hi, everyone. My name is Amy Longo, and I'm a litigation partner here in Ropes and Gray's Los Angeles office. I joined Ropes and Gray in 2022 from the Securities and Exchange Commission, where I was the head of the trial unit for Los Angeles. My practice at Ropes and Gray focuses on defense of SEC investigation and enforcement matters, class action and other kinds of complex litigation, and advising folks on SEC compliance and examination issues. I'm so glad you're here today. So tell us, who is your special guest that you'll be interviewing for our episode today? So the guest I had the pleasure of interviewing is Jennifer Barry. Jen is an Associate General Counsel in Special Investigations at Meta. And Jen was previously, like myself, a trial attorney with the Securities and Exchange Commission, both in Los Angeles and in Philadelphia. And she's also a formal federal prosecutor. So she's got a fascinating background that we talked about during our interview. And how did you two meet and start working together? Jen was in my unit at the SEC. She came out to the Los Angeles office from the Philadelphia office. And so we worked together as trial attorneys at the SEC and worked on a number of enforcement matters together. And what would you say is most notable about Jen's career? I would say a few things really stand out about Jen. One is just the diversity of her experience. I think there are a few people that have experience as a federal prosecutor, an SEC trial attorney, and an in-house lawyer. And I think that depth of experience and practice gives her a really unique perspective on the matters she's handling for Meta. I also think what stands out about Jen is just her commitment to her values that she brings to her work. She's an amazing team leader, and she's also very committed, whatever institution she's with, to bringing to bear the importance of diversity and mentoring. And those are some of the things that I most enjoyed talking to Jen about. Well, that sounds really inspiring. So with that, I will happily turn it over to you and Jen. So take it away. Hi, Jen. Thanks for joining us on the podcast today. It's so exciting to have you here. Hey, Amy. Thanks so much for having me. And I'm happy to talk to you today. Why don't we start by just having you tell our listeners a little bit about your background, which I think is such an interesting and diverse one for a corporate attorney. So I will say my background is a uh, is a bit unconventional. Um, and I would say that because it took me, I think, a few years to to get my footing after graduating from law school and sort of like, what do I want to do with my life now that I am a lawyer? So after law school, I joined a, a firm in Philadelphia and quickly 
felt like, you know, something was missing. So my friends in the AAPI community maybe can relate to this. You know, when you have uh, immigrant parents, there's an expectation that, you know, your children are going to be doctors or engineers, which I tend to think are careers that are a little more maybe linear in uh, finding success. And, you know, thankfully, I have an amazing big brother who was a doctor. So I had some cover to try to figure out uh, what I wanted to do when I was unsure that this was just going to be just this path of a firm to partnership. So I went to the Hill uh, to work for a senator at a friend's suggestion. And this is sort of the unconventional part of my journey. And what I appreciated about that, it just sort of like jostled me back or maybe what it really meant and what I wanted to do as a lawyer, which was, you know, to help people. And so the desire to do public interest work, I think, as an attorney, really was sort of the fruit of that experience. So again, thinking about what that meant, I had a friend that suggested that maybe I should apply to the U.S. Attorney's Office. He thought I would be a good fit there. Uh, And, you know, that was just like not really something on my radar. As everyone knows, it's very competitive to get into a U.S. Attorney's Office. But, you know, I, I gave it a shot. And I'm so glad that I did because I was able to um, get a job at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Philadelphia. And for as much like sort of uncertainty as I had in the beginning of the first few years coming out of law school, you know, I definitely found my home. I found my calling. And I was in AUSA for the next 17 years. And even within that experience, while I was in an AUSA, I think it was unique because I was able to work in an extra large office like Philadelphia, but also spent a few years in a smaller district um, in Cincinnati, where I was able to be the acting financial crimes chief, as well as the head of the mortgage fraud task force there. So I had really great experience and most of all, just uh, becoming uh, a trial lawyer and doing a lot of trials. And my passion for trial work at the U.S. Attorney's Office uh, was really evident. And I could could see myself there probably forever, um, except that particularly in the last seven to 10 years doing white collar, I felt that I wouldn't be the best, uh, most well-rounded trial lawyer without doing a civil uh, federal trial. So with that and with looking to challenge myself, I was very fortunate to get a job at the Securities and Exchange Commission uh, in Philadelphia um, and really be able to jump into what I consider probably one of the most sophisticated practices, which is securities, litigation, and enforcement. And I just really learned a ton. um, And I was also uh, very lucky to become, like you, Amy, the head of the trial unit in Philadelphia. Family circumstances had us move out west to LA, where I was uh, able to transition to the trial unit there and then become the acting uh, regional trial counsel, Amy, after uh, you left to join ROPES. So I really had considered myself um, a government lawyer and thought, you know, my career would probably end with the government. But somehow the move just gave me the opportunity to think about if there was another challenge, if there was something else that I wanted to do. I had, you know, this very unique uh, background in terms of working in law enforcement as well as with a regulator. 
having built a skill set of complex investigations and lots and lots of trials, you know, also having been a supervisor, you know, you sort of really get that at the table view of, you know, process and priorities and and people. One of the things I hadn't considered was sort of in-house and how do those, the things that I have, how would that work in terms of, you know, supporting a business? And so I ended up landing at Meta, which I feel so fortunate. I feel so fortunate because it's a, it's a great company and I'm on a great team. And I think that, you know, it's sort of this two-way give and take where I think I have a lot to offer, but I think I have a lot to learn and to receive from being in-house uh, now and being, a, and being a corporate attorney and seeing what that's like. So that's where I am today. Wonderful. Well, I know a lot of our listeners can probably relate to taking a chance and making a move. And I think it's so interesting to hear your perspective on being in different settings like that. I know people would also love to hear more about what you do at Meta. What does uh, your role there as an associate general counsel in special investigations include? So I like to say I'm still new. That's, that is something I say uh, at Meta because it's, it's a, it's a big place and there's a steep learning curve. You're jumping into a, a global technology company is, it's a tremendous learning experience. Um, I am lucky to be in the special investigations group. The best way I would kind of describe it or the cool way I like to describe it is sort of like a SWAT team. And so, you know, to, uh, the extent we are tasked to do internal investigations that may relate to, potential, you know, criminal or regulatory compliance risk to the company. That's sort of what we take on and certainly assist in reducing uh, any kind of risk. So it's just very fascinating work and learning about the business because I think you're not sort of just in one single area. You kind of are working across all areas. And so it's really cool to see uh, what the business does. Now, I know you spoke about your interest in trial work and that that's kind of a passion of yours. What would you say it is that attracted you to that aspect of litigation and and lawyering to start with? Your personality drives the areas of law that you ultimately find yourself. And I think there are two things that really draw me to trial work. Now, trial work and litigation can be a little bit different. So I'm going to focus on the trial stuff because that's the really fun stuff. I played lacrosse and field hockey in college. So, you know, it's really this analogy that I think really fits is the team aspect and playing team sports really resonates with why I have that passion for trial work. You know, I just love being on a team. And when you're on trial, you're, you have a team and, you know, like the different positions on a team, everyone plays an important role when you're getting ready for trial, you know, whether it's trial partner or an agent or multiple agents or paralegal, your litigation support, there's just a lot of players playing different roles and, you know, like different positions and all of them are important. And, you know, in my mind, a successful team is one where everyone's, you know, rolling up their sleeves and has this common goal and this common mission that we're trying to achieve together. And that V, you know, that versus really, you know, makes that clear why, you know, it's our team versus another team. And I, I just really love that. Playing team sports, I really love to practice. I think that practice is, you know, the same as preparation, preparation, preparation for a trial. And, you know, all of that hard work 
that work ethic that I always found uh, so rewarding because I think you, when you work hard, you, you get the benefit of the reward. And it just gets you ready for that big game. Um, so, you know, similar to a big game, you know, you've got your trial and all of that preparation and all that practice in many ways, not just to make sure that, you know, everything at trial is going well, but, you know, you're going to have a, a ref um, and in a trial, you have the court and, you know, they're going to make calls that go for you and calls that go against you. And you have to be prepared for either. And I think the preparation allows for that so that you can pivot, you know, you don't get shaken. And also when a call goes your way, that it's an easy goal and that you have to take those opportunities when they come. And I think all the preparation allows for that. So there are a lot of analogies out there. I, you know, I'm jumping into a foxhole, all of the, you know, all of that. But I think the team aspect of trial work is what really made me love it so much. The second thing I think what I love trials is just the drama. I mean, and when I say drama, I mean that you can prepare, you know, you should know your facts inside and out, all of that. But at the end of the day, this is a human experience. Like human beings are going to be your witnesses. You know, you've got the court, you've got your adversary, you're communicating to a jury of your peers. I mean, you know, you can control only so much, but you cannot control other people. And I think this is where the dynamics of trial and sort of the communication and the drama that unfolds, you know, is where, um, as my friend used to tell me, like, this is why you know, AUSAs and former AUSAs like get invited to cocktail parties because like you cannot make this stuff up. And <laughs> I think that that sort of makes its way into that experience of the trial. It's just that sort of part of it that is the X factor that you're not going to be able to control. And for some lawyers, obviously that's cringeworthy because the whole idea of not being able to control something is not something that some people like to do, but that's what makes it challenging. And that's what makes it uh, fun. And that's, that's why I probably did it for as long as I did. Well, I will certainly say, although we didn't get to try any cases together, I appreciated your team spirit so much in the cases we did litigate together. And I think that really shines through, as I'm sure anyone would say, who's gotten the, the pleasure of working with you. Oh, thanks. Um, Jen, so let me ask you what accomplishment in your career you're the most proud of. And before I let you answer, um, I want to say something that I thought was really striking was that you were recently inducted into the American College of Trial Lawyers, which is such a prestigious honor. And I was very um, happy to see that that happened and happy for you. And it's such an impressive recognition. But tell us if that or something else in your <laughs> career is what you'd say you're most proud of. Uh, thank you for that. Um, being in inducted into the uh, American College of Trial Lawyers, I think it was nice because, um, you know, trial work is is hard. And I've done a lot of trials. And I think it's just nice to have been recognized for that. Um, so I am truly appreciative uh, of that honor. Um, and I feel like I've been so blessed with the career that I've had and the sort of portfolio of trials that I've been able to to do because they're a good mix. I think when I started at the U.S. Attorney's Office in Philadelphia, we were allowed to be sort of generalist, at least when I first started. I, I understand from an administrative standpoint, it's 
much easier to um, sort of manage when people are on teams and you have, you know, you're doing a steady diet of whatever the subject matter is for that particular team. But I started out as a generalist, so I was able to try a lot of different kinds of cases. So I have about 30 federal jury trials that are a good mix of both violent crime cases as well as white collar. So I feel really lucky and I feel like it was just a a nice recognition with that. I will say, though, that for me, like doing the job is the main and most rewarding part probably is with the victims of any of the kinds of cases that I've done. I think just having their moment for, you know, justice and their time to address how they've been affected and how they've uh, managed through. And, and I've had victims actually, you know, testify in the trials. I'm incredibly proud of when people take that moment and, and do the hard thing. It's not easy to relive any of it. And so I think that those are the moments where I'm like, this is really rewarding. I think also for me, having done the job for a long time and just for any litigator, any person who's been practicing law for a long time, you know, how you practice is sort of a reflection of who you are. And when you have credibility with the defense bar and credibility with the court, when people trust you with what you say, I think for me, that kind of reputation over the time that I've been practicing has been probably the thing that I I cherish in terms of maintaining that and building on that. Someone said, she's tough when she needs to be. And I think I like that because it's a simple way of saying, hopefully that like what I have is like good judgment and fairness. So there are definitely bigger cases um, that, you know, you feel really good about and definitely hard cases that when you, when you're successful, you feel great. But I think it's really sort of doing right and giving victims the floor and that moment for them, I think, is the most rewarding. Having maintained and established a a reputation of fairness um, and credibility. And I think, though, from just my life standpoint, is really like deciding to have a family late in life. Um, I think that's probably the proudest achievement in doing something that I didn't think I was going to do and, uh, and taking it on, even though it was, uh, it was incredibly hard and I was a little late to the game, but I think that is probably the proudest. Well, that's a good segue, I think, to talk about relationships, Jen, um, not necessarily family relationships, but I'm curious in terms of your perspective, you know, what is the importance of relationship building in growing a career and, and maintaining a practice? So I will say that it's incredibly important. Two things from my own, my sort of my challenges were one, because I came into law with, um, without any real sort of experience in my, my world on understanding how, you know, those kinds of relationships would work from a career standpoint. It took me a while to understand what it meant and then how to develop it. And the second thing about just relationships and maintaining them. The advent of social media and how prevalent it is in terms of maintaining relationships and things like that, it feels like that whole boom came about at a time when I was in AUSA. And I think there was a real reticence to participate in social media because of, you know, the work we did. And definitely that was also 
my challenge. It's a challenge because I didn't understand how that worked and how effective and important that can be um, in terms of developing and maintaining relationships. So I would say, number one, that I was not very good at it. Changes in my career only came through a relationship I had that somebody like introduced me to this idea or this, you know, into the company. Like I only made my moves through somebody saying, Hey, have you thought about doing this or seeing a friend doing it? And I'm like, Oh, maybe I should try that. Um, and being able to work where I wanted to go through those relationships. So I obviously think it's really important and how you maintain them. It has to take some effort. I think that's another thing. Like it takes some effort to maintain your relationships, you know, you got to reach out. And one of the things about Meta, and I'm still new there, but it's a place where relationships are, you know, a crucial component to the culture um, and really to anybody's job there. So I am really learning. I really try to go about whether it's my life or my career with a growth mindset. And, you know, they have these um, fun you know, expressions or sayings or affirmations that, you know, reflect or expound on like company culture. And one of the things I've seen is begin anywhere. And I think for me, you know, even if I missed out, or even if I wasn't good at something in the beginning, it doesn't mean I can't do it now. And I don't think it means anyone can't do it now, even if you haven't been thinking about how you can build and maintain relationships. It's just, start anywhere, begin anywhere, just start doing it. Just, you know, have coffee with somebody. Part of relationship building is like, it helps your career to know what other people are doing because you never know where you may land, whether it's with a case um, that you're working on and then you know somebody in that space or you um, end up deciding you want to do something uh, and change your role and know somebody that can help you do that. Like it, it can be for a variety of reasons, but more than anything in your career, you're hopefully going to have a long career and it makes the career and the job more fun and just allows you to think about things in different ways by maintaining those professional relationships and contacts that you have along the way. However, you're, you're meeting somebody, you know, just from one job to the next, like it makes you just so much more aware of sort of what's out there, you know, whether it's legal issues or whether it's just like points of view. Um, I think it's super important to have those uh, relationships and, and to maintain them, but you know, they do take effort. I really like that begin anywhere. I think that's great advice and, and you can apply it to so many things that, you know, you shouldn't be deterred. You can basically start from where you are. I imagine that you think mentoring is something that's really important and that would be a priority for you, especially it sounds like you um, came to the search for mentors kind of in, in the start of your practice. How would you describe how you try to incorporate that into your day to day and at Meta? I think I was adrift when I first started out because, um, I didn't, I didn't have a person. Uh, no one was, was mentoring me. So I didn't really find and truly understand what a mentor was until I had one. And I finally had a supervisor, uh, Rich Goldberg, who was just, he was my first mentor and just remains a mentor and, and great friend. He looked at my docket and he said, you know, what the 
bleep, 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 <laughs> because <laughs> it was just out of control. I think I was carrying some ungodly number of cases. He's like, how is this possible? How did this happen? And I'm like, I don't know. No one told me to say no. No one told me like what, you know, what, what I should be doing, what I should be taking, what I, how much time I needed for each matter. Um, and he sort of was the first person to say, okay, let's, let's figure this out. And as we progressed, you know, he said, what do you want to be? Like, what do you want, Jen? And I said, I want to be that go-to prosecutor. I want to be you know, the person that like whatever case comes in, whatever kind of trial, no matter how hard, how, how bad facts, great facts, whatever it is, they, like Jen can do it. Jen can do it. And I think it just kind of set me up for, you know, the lawyer I wanted to be. And I needed that person to sort of ask me the question and then say, okay, like, how do we get there? And now being, you know, sort of, uh, as they say, an old head and like being sort of senior in my, in my career, I really think it's important to be that sounding board for whomever, whether it's in an official or unofficial capacity. And a place like Meta, I feel, is a place that really takes that mentorship very seriously. There are programs, like official programs, to have mentors, to be mentors. Um, and I think that it's hard, you know, obviously, COVID changes a lot. And you know, not seeing people makes it a little more difficult, but I, there's still a huge encouragement to sort of reach out. Asking for a mentor is not like you, I dub you my mentor and you shall be my mentor. I mean, these things have to grow. Um, there are like, you know, official ways and that that's one way, but I don't think you have to have just one and you can have more than one. And, you know, they don't have to be someone necessarily senior to you. They can be my immediate peers as my mentors or somebody who seems junior, but has done something that I feel like I can learn from. I don't think, you know, there's one way to look at also um, mentorship or being a mentor to someone or for someone. Um, and I think that Meta is the kind of place that encourages that. And I think that across the board and wherever you are, whether it's at a firm or in-house or with the government, that having a mentor and then eventually being a mentor, it's important. And that by doing that, you are creating sort of how the culture remains because you're passing these things forward. So I do think it's been incredibly important to me and I take it incredibly uh, seriously in terms of like, even on my resume, I think I just put as one of my things, I'm mentor. Like I, I am here to mentor and also happy to be mentored. Now, Jen, I know another thing that's important to you and that you're working on at Meta are issues around diversity and inclusion. I'm curious, is there particular advice you offer to women and diverse attorneys starting out in their legal careers? Well, there's this saying, and I think maybe this is more like as you are going along in your career, empowered women, empower women. I think it's important to look for the folks who you see have that understanding of where you are in your life um, and can help you through that as, and that I speak of uh, like more towards women and then being a diverse attorney. It's hard for me to describe as a young lawyer now, because I think it's very different from when I started. I will say this, like there were very few women and almost no Asians when I started, at least where I started practicing in Philadelphia and so to the extent that there were, you know, affinity organizations, really, 
I encourage, you know, using those resources. I didn't really understand it as much as I do now. I think a lot of things I went through, there wasn't even a vocabulary. So you could hardly say that you would have a voice um, back in those times where words like uh, being an ally or allyship or the sort of understanding of those things and the fact that, you know, diverse uh, lawyers may be going through, you know, different experiences is not something that anyone paid attention to when I started out. And now there is real efforts on diversity and inclusion um, in such a short period of time that has grown. And the number of women and the number of more diverse attorneys that are that are now in practice, it's so encouraging and it's so incredible to see. And so, you know, all I can say is that you know, take advantage of the resource groups and the affinity groups that resonate for you as as a young person, a less experienced lawyer or somebody new in their career, because, you know, not only will you potentially find a mentor, which is just sort of the plus, plus, plus of it all. It's just that common experience and understanding and knowing like you're not alone in that. It will make your experience practicing law not isolating in in a way that's not like oh no you know a brief is a brief is a brief or uh, you know all of that is it, the the legal part is the legal part but how it's delivered um, how you may see things how you experience the interaction as you're doing those things can be very different for women and for um, diverse attorneys and to know that those experiences are shared. Um, and how to make opportunities or how to understand what's happening and how to deal with them. It's like, you don't have to do that on your own. You have people that can really not just sympathize, but empathize. And I think that will help your experience going forward. In that spirit of begin anywhere, um, at the U.S. Attorney's Office um, in Philadelphia, we had a very robust African-American History Month program. And, you know, I know there were there were only a few Asian Americans in the in the office. And I had asked one of my friends, like, why aren't we doing anything? And he agreed. And so the two of us um, decided, like, let's do a program. Let's keep it simple. We'll just broadcast the speaker from Maine Justice, which at the time was Tammy Duckworth. You know, if we get 10 people to come, it will be a win. But we can't have any kind of program without having lunch. It has to be $10 at the U.S. Attorney's Office. It's like nobody's going to pay more than that. So it was uh, advertising the program. And I told my friend Randy, who's Chinese, I'm Korean. I'm like, you're the one who speaks Mandarin. You got to make sure we get these lunches for $10. And, uh, you know, we're running into Chinatown. We're picking up the lunches. And we had like, you know, 15 to 20 people show up. And so we just decided like, you know, we can do this thing. And so the next year we were able to offer an office wide program that we created ourselves. We had our own speaker, which was Judge Denny Chin. Um, I think 150 people at least showed up and, you know, we were still able to keep our lunch to uh, to $10 a person. So I, I just give that example to say, you know, you can do this thing. A small thing can become a big thing. And also like you seek resources, but at the same time, you can also become a resource and you can touch a lot of people and start to build that understanding about diversity. At Meta, you know, there's a real attempt to put your money where your mouth is when it comes to diversity and inclusion. And I really appreciate that. You know, there are tens of thousands of people who work at the company. So, 
we have lots of employee resource groups for our diverse communities. We have programming and content. So there's lots of internal resources. Also externally, at least in legal, we've got pro bono opportunities. And I'm a member of the Racial Justice Task Force where my pillar works with outside counsel on promoting diversity. So having and appreciating the opportunities in your workplace to promote and highlight the significance and importance of diversity is a good and powerful thing. And Jen, I'd love to hear your thoughts because I share your views there. And I think people would also be interested to hear from your perspective, besides being right and good as an in-house counsel, what do you see as the advantages of seeing diversity reflected in folks you partner with and in your own organization? You know, the benefit of diversity within organizations and in leadership is certainly perspectives that are important because and gap filling in terms of like how people may, you know, see the world. Um, we have a civil rights group, which to me is just so crazy good that in a space where you we are moving forward into um, all kinds of new technologies, that we have an actual group that is thinking about and working with how are we going to make sure that when we are moving forward, um, we're thinking about diversity to make sure that communities, all communities are being able to benefit from the next big advancement in the technologies, you know, as they come forward and are being produced. I will just say from a really personal point of view where I kind of saw diversity in just like a very like straightforward way. One of my colleagues, um, he's a, a white collar prosecutor, but was doing a violent crimes case. And it was a um, gunpoint robbery. And after the trial, I said, you know, oh, how'd it go? How, what happened? And the agent was like, Jen, we got a, a hung. It was this video surveillance. Um, and can you take a look at it? And can you tell me what you think? So it's video surveillance on the robbery as it's happening and the cooperator is, you know, has a gun and is brandishing it. And the co-conspirator who went to trial uh, was in the video, as were the victims. And the uh, defendant at the time was like raising his hands and there's no sound. And so the defense was, this is just the cooperator person with the gun who's saying that our guy was involved when he's not because he wants cooperation and he's just in the store like everybody else. Look at him. He's raising his hands above his head. When I looked at it and I looked at the video, I said, well, do your shopkeepers, um, do they speak English? And they just kind of looked at me and, you know, in any situation where someone doesn't think you speak English, there's always this like exaggeration, right? Like people speak more slowly or speak, you know, inexplicably louder or whatever it is. And you can imagine in an excitable situation like a gunpoint robbery, when you are trying to tell somebody to put their hands over their head and they don't speak English, you are just doing that. You are putting your hands over your head saying, put your hands over your head, put your hands over your head. This is not something that the prosecutor or the agent had thought about. And they had asked a lot of people, but that's sort of like diversity <laughs> 101. Like maybe your person doesn't speak English and this is the reason why this is happening. 
Um, and I think that those are sort of the ways that diversity plays out because people have different experiences and different points of view and challenges and things that can really enhance or create a better understanding of, you know, what's happening. And I think that that is the real strength of diversity, whether in your leadership, whether, you know, it's, it's a, it's a law firm, whether it's a business, whether it's an agency, you know, having diverse perspectives, I think only makes you stronger. And for the record, my colleague and the agent, they were successful on that retrial. That's a great example. And I feel like it's so helpful to illustrate concepts with real life examples like that. So it's not just kind of lofty goals or values we're talking about, but really seeing how they play out in in daily life. And I'm curious, Jen, how do you feel that the perspectives you bring kind of inform what you're doing on a day-to-day basis now at Meta. And I'm also interested to hear, because I know it's such a dynamic industry, how that affects uh, your role doing special investigations for the company. I mentioned that I've been at Meta for you know less than a year, so I'm still new and I'm limited on what I can say. But generally speaking, I think the company is always working on advancements, um, as any technology company would be. You know, when I was thinking about going to a place like Meta, I thought, you know, oh my gosh, this is like the most revolutionary, like sort of advancements in how we communicate with every good and positive and incredible technological step you take comes along challenges. And it's like, you know, good versus evil. You know, you make this incredible platform for people to build community And I think what is inevitable is that somebody could use it for their own purposes and take advantage of it for something that is not positive. And so Meta is on the forefront uh, on how to do things right. You know, when you're building incredible things and you're making technological advancements on how we communicate, do business, you're figuring out generative AI and creating immersive experiences like the metaverse. I mean, you're dealing with top of the fold issues, issues of, you know, what are the threats, the risks, and how are these spaces going to be regulated? So hopefully, you know, my background gives some perspective on how the Department of Justice or the SEC might view these issues. And I'm familiar and working in environments um, with you know, shifting legal landscape. So I think I bring that to the job as well as just having investigated and done complex investigations for most of my career. I have that background that informs in my job. And I think finally, you know, I've worked with and have been surrounded by some of the smartest, uh, most talented and incredible people when I was at the U.S. Attorney's Office as well as at the SEC. And that's just something like you kind of just like absorb this mission and being around in in that environment constantly. It's just like becomes part of your like professional DNA. Now I find myself at Meta and again, you know, working with and surrounded by super smart, talented and nice people. And what I hope that I'm bringing is just that energy to a place, you know, where there's 
just the expectation of, you know, high achievement and excellence in the mission that you're pursuing. So um, I think that's the experience that I have that helps me with the job. Let me ask you maybe in closing, Jen, what would you say was the most important piece of advice someone has given you in your career? I feel like this was life advice, which, you know, is part of obviously career. And I will say that the most influential people in my life are my parents. And they've given me lots of amazing advice. But the one my 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 dad told me and that I carry with me in many, many, many situations with respect to a, a lot of things, including my career, is be brave. In his way of saying, you know, be brave is, you know, be brave to pursue that happiness, be brave to start that family, be brave to get up and do this opening argument, you know, like be brave to do that, that whatever the thing is. And I, and I think about that and I'm like, well, gee, I'm not getting on a military cargo vessel at 19 years old where my family has given up their entire life savings to get me on a ship. Uh, I think the life savings was like $400. Get me on a ship to go to a country um, and leave my homeland behind and probably not see it maybe ever again and go to a land where I don't speak English. Uh, I don't speak the language. I know that I have some cousin in Michigan and I'm eventually supposed to get there. You know, I'm not doing that. <laughs> so I think I can get up and I can do <laughs> this opening argument. Um, I think that, you know, for a a lot of friends out there who have parents who are immigrants, they can relate to that. Um, And I think that my dad, you know, in saying just be brave is sort of just like you can do the thing you can you you can do this. Um, And knowing what they did and how they came to this country, it makes me who I am. And it makes a lot of things seem, you know, as hard as they seem seem possible based on what I know that they've been through and what they've done. And being an AUSA for me was in large part, you know, sort of that appreciation for coming to a country like this and and having the life that they've built for themselves. So be brave. Well, they must be very proud of you. And uh, <laughs> I think your your career is great evidence of your bravery turning to a lot of different challenges and, and doing so well in all of them. So oh, thanks, Amy. We I really appreciate you sharing all your your device and your stories and your insights with us today. This has been wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And it's great speaking with you. And I I feel lucky to have you as a friend and mentor. Thanks, Jen. Same here. Amy and Jen, thank you both so much. That was fantastic. And as always, thanks to our listeners. For more information about Ropes and Gray's Women's Forum and our women attorneys, please visit ropesgray.com slash women. You could also subscribe to this series wherever you typically listen to podcasts, including on Apple, Google, and Spotify. Thanks again for listening.